to a place of magic, conspiracy, and mystery, looking for answers to the oddities and the strangeness of this world. These are the Amalga Files. Uh, we are your hosts, the beautiful Jordan Lynn Epperson, and the even more beautiful, boy, wonderful Ian Wallace. That's 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 a matter of opinion, but uh, it works. It works. I like it. It works. And um, yeah. The Amalga Files, Episode 3. Jordan, why don't you go ahead and let the people know what we're going to be discussing tonight. Life Beyond the Milky Way, um, otherwise known as Aliens. You're going um, to and be... what kind of space stuff and Area 51 stuff and all kinds of goodness. Yeah, we're going to be all over the place with this one. Um... We're going to be discussing life on other planets and um, the possibility if there is life on other planets. We're going to get some call-ins. It's going to be an awesome show. We got lots and lots and lots and lots and lots. We got all the facts. Me and Jordan have all the facts. <laughs> I think we've uh, combed our research <laughs> on this one pretty well. We also had an awesome giveaway. Um, being that we are going to be discussing life on other planets, I have a Ripley. Um, action figure and an alien queen action figure up for grabs um, simply just let us know what you think of the post and what you thought of it and we will pick a winner at random to receive some action figures courtesy of those guys over there at um, Amalga Show and Tell myself and my son and um, we hope you guys can enjoy and um, sit back enjoy the show um Wow, such a such a endowed topic. Like we were just talking about this um, off air about how intricate and how how wide spread this topic is. It really is a huge topic. Right, like it. That's I. I gotta. I gotta so agree. Much. No, I agree. I was like, I was going through um, just the amount of people who've had encounters, um, different encounters of the nerd kind and. Um, you know, strange encounters with alien beings. It's, it's, there's just so much information. Um, so we're going to try to narrow that down as best as we can and bring you an informative and inviting show. Mm -hmm. so, and I know, I know at least myself personally, at some point I'm probably going to, you know, go a little moon landing conspiracy. So, if oh yeah, I yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. I am with US you. Government that that they know I'm on to them, and they came and they. <laughs> well, they're not going to find you. It's okay. You if if, if anyone is, is allowed to true. blow the whistle, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Right. It's yeah. They're not going to find you. So if if anyone was to blow the whistle, you would be the operative person to do so. Um. <laughs> shout outs. Um. I'm going to give a little love, a little appreciation to our um, fellow network podcasts. Um, you got to check those guys out over at Retro Red Octopus. Um, and don't forget our friends over at Throwdown Thursday and also our friends at That Strange Show. Um, all a part of the Dorkening Network, and you can find them where all your podcast needs are met. Definitely some of my favorite podcasts, and they should be some of your favorite podcasts. And if they're not, then you should make that correction. Um, yeah, I mean, I was watching, listening to the 
uh, retro red octopus and uh, shark bites both today. So awesome! So you uh, you heard the the new episodes? Yeah, yeah. Awesome, um, awesome. Patsy and then boys. So very good very show. entertaining stuff. Agreed. Um, so. Light, life on other planets. You know what, Jordan? We're going to do this one a little bit differently. I'm just going to go ahead and pitch this one right out the gate to you. I need to know. Mulder meter or Scalia? Oh, wait, for those of our listeners who don't know, um, we do have two units of measurement to um, decide whether or not we do believe or do not believe in things. Um, we have the Mulder meter, which is for our true believers and those that want to believe. And then we have the scullyometer for those that are a little more skeptical, need a little more proof. We have a meter for you all as well. And um, we invite you to let us know where it is you stand on the topic of the Mulder meter and the scullyometer. But I'm going to kick this one over to you first, Jordan. Where are we? Are, are, are we alone in this universe or what? Or are we not? Um, and and I'm, I mean, no offense to anybody who views things differently, but in my opinion, it's it's pretty ignorant to think that we could be the only life in the entire galaxy i mean there's there's literally one planet in the entire galaxy that has life on it and not all life is going to be you know humanoid there could be bacteria that is still considered life but that's not what people think of when they contemplate life on other planets um, so I'm definitely Mulder Mater on this one. Right. Um, I think I'm. I think I'm going to be joining you over on that side. I I, I got to 100% agree with you. It is just. I mean, you have to be purposely closing your eyes to the scope and spectrum of the entire universe to think that we are the only intelligent and or complex life um, within the entire universe. It just. It just doesn't seem likely to me out of so many different solar systems and planets and other galaxies, you know, and it's like, yeah, we're, I just do not believe that we are alone either. So I got to 100% agree with you on that. We are both Mulder meter on this one. Um, but I do have my scullyometer moments as it relates to some things, which we will also be bringing up throughout the show. Um, so it's a it's a catch twenty two for me. I do believe, but I also believe that there are parameters to my belief. So um, I mean, I don't believe that every abduction case is necessarily true, but yeah, I do believe that there is life on other planets. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree as well. <laughs> um, so starting off, where do you want to? Where do you want to be? <laughs> There's a real question. Where where would you like to begin? Um, I mean, I looked at stuff like what NASA is doing to try and find life on other planets. Ooh. Um, I also looked at, I also looked at, uh, some stuff about Area 51, and I also looked into, uh, Barney and Betty Hill and their abduction case. So, where would you like me to, to start? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested about the, um, you really piqued my interest when you brought up, um, NASA and what they're NASA. doing to find life on other planets. Yeah. I'd love to know more about that. Okay. Well, NASA has an exoplanet program and this is all coming straight from NASA's website. Um, 
the goal of this program, the main goal of it, is to find unmistakable signs of current life on planets beyond Earth. Uh, that is that is the sole purpose of this uh, program that they have. Mm. They've uh, they've got let's see um, a device called a Kepler, a K two, and they have an upcoming device uh, called the James Webb Space Telescope. Uh, and they they yield bare bones levels of evidence of things going on on other planets. Uh, so they measure if they can find water, if they can find uh, proper atmosphere, stuff like that. Sometime this year, they're supposed to launch. Uh, it's an it's an acronym. Uh, w first, which stands for uh let's see wide field infrared survey telescope wow and it, it's supposed to basically reflect light um on distant planets and it's supposed to detect signs of um oxygen water vapor and other indicators of life hmm. um they also have like a whole uh, a whole team of people, including an MIT physics professor, which, by the way, I definitely wrote MIT psychic professor. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> um, named Sarah Seeger, and she worked with a whole bunch of biochemists, and they um, they analyze all of the. Um, data that does come back from all of the devices that get sent or measure things um, to see how much of the six main elements um, that are associated with earth life they can find on these other planets to see if it's even possible for life on these other planets um, which there's actually a group at I believe it's Durham University uh, that they actually theorize that that could be taking us further away from finding life on the Jordan, hold on one second. We actually have a call in. Hello, hello. You're on the Amalga Files with um, Ian Wallace and Jordan Lynn Epperson. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's Sean. Oh, hey, Sean. Uh, so what's going on? So you had a little something for us. You had some tidbits. Um, you wanted to give us a little your um, idea of what how you feel about life on other planets. I say it's possible because isn't it kind of egotistical of us to say that we are the only intelligent species out there? Yeah, actually, Jordan and I concur. We were actually uh, yeah, we were saying. Pretty much that exact same thing. <laughs> right, yeah, just like a couple of seconds ago, how it's just, you have to be uh, purposely making yourself or turning a blind eye in order to believe that we are the only people or the only beings on Earth. And hold on, we are actually getting another call. <laughs> um, I heard that beep and I was like, is that me? <laughs> no, that is definitely, um, hello? And you are on with the Amalga Files. Um, this is Ian Wallace and Jordan Lynn Epperson. Do you have something you want to add? Introduce yourself. Let us know who you are. 
Sure, I can introduce myself. Um, my name is George, and uh, I'm actually calling in because I see you're talking about uh, are we alone in the universe? Okay. Well, you are being joined by um, Ian Wallace, um, Jordan Lynn Epperson, and we also have Sean Sponsendler on the phone as well. You guys are actually sharing a call for right now. All right. So, um, go ahead, George. What was your What was your opinion? Caring is caring. <laughs> Well, uh, my opinion is not really opinion. It's more of a personal experience. I actually filed a report to MUFON, uh about a year and a half ago because when I grew up, I was actually, I believed I was abducted by UFOs. <laughs> I haven't really told anyone about this, but um, as I know what the experience is. I know the signs. Um, when you wake up, you're in a different place. You lose track of time. You kind of have like this out-of-body experience, more where your body is like in a paralysis. You can't move your body when you wake up, and they take you to space, you see things, and they don't speak, I can tell you that. They're tall, they're gray, they wear suits, and the only thing I can remember them saying is, one day you will become one of us, and I just said, no, I'm not going to become one of you, and then I ended up back home, but they visited me like three or four more times after that, so. Wow. Yeah. That was back when I was in oh, All right. See, I have better effects admitted. It did happen, admitted. You know, if they wanted me, they could have taken me by now, so. Well, I gotta say, for me personally, listening, um, listening to your story, I have always had an issue with um, abductions because obviously them being you know extraterrestrial they've always sounded so very far-fetched to me and then i started doing a lot of this research into some of the things that have happened and uh, some of the things that have gone on and like i mean this has been recorded and people have like real evidence of them you know something happening since the 50s and 40s this has been going on so you know, for me to just discount what you're saying is like, oh, well, that sounds too far-fetched. It really just doesn't. Like, it's it's completely possible. So um, I really appreciate you calling in and sharing that, George. Yeah. Well, I mean, I used to think it was far-fetched when I was a kid. I remember the first time that I was really afraid that it was on television. The order of monks or the religious order who all committed suicide because they were saying they're going to be abducted by aliens and they're going to the sky to start a new life. And I remember writing to my mother saying, please don't let them come get me. Wow. And then they came and got me. So. Wow. Sean, how do you feel about this? I mean, it's possible because you hear stories all the time and people say, hey, I've seen this, I've seen that, and the government is so quick to come and be like, no, 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 you didn't see that. It was swamp gas, or it was a weather balloon, or it was something else they're trying to pass on. I mean, why else would we have Area 51? Right. With the Roswell and Mexico crash? Mm. You seem to be out there real quick and be like, hey, you can't come here. And for the longest time, there was, I believe, like a hill or a mountain that you could go up and look down into the base. And a few years ago, they bought the property to push the fence up further, so now you can't actually look down in there. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, well gentlemen, thank you very much for calling in. Um, we have actually, we're actually 
<laughs> getting a lot more calls right now. So I'm going to have to let you guys go and give the other uh, view listeners a chance to, uh, to speak their piece, but please, um, Stay tuned, and if you feel like calling in a few more minutes to give us some more tidbits, we would definitely love to have you. Um, thanks, George, right. and thanks, Sean, for calling in so much. No problem. Have a good one, guys. Wow, that was awesome. I didn't think that we would actually get someone who experienced something like that. That's kind of, you know, I, I think a lot about that. And I'll, Oh, hold on one second, Jordan. I think we're getting another call here. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Jordan. Okay. We're getting another call. Who do we have? This is Jordan Lynn Epperson and Ian Wallace of the Amalga Files. Wow, this is the uh, Mr. Vice President, uh, Mr. Coop. The Coop? Here, Coopenstein, what's going on, man? Oh, just calling in to uh, talk about aliens, you know, you know how it goes. Yeah, just a regular Tuesday night here in Amalgamania. <laughs> hey, that's how it goes, man. But um, aliens, I, I think that we've, I don't know if we've got to talk about this, but... Um, you know, we've already seen evidence on other planets and on planet Earth of bacteria and um, plants and cells that have come in and uh, things like comets and large chunks of uh, debris that fall from, from uh, the world. And I believe that there is evidence of bacteria on Mars. So confirmed. Yeah, Jordan was just um, she was talking oh, about nice. NASA and their um, and their efforts to. I guess, cultivate and uh, catalog a lot of these different goings on and minerals and cells. And um, she was even talking about a program, uh, W First, I think it's called, where like they're. Uh, w First is a uh, in wide field infrared. Oh, that's the wide field. Okay. But I know it's one of the instruments they're using to implement um, the search of these different yeah. uh, life. And, but um, they, do, they do have a program uh, at NASA that is uh, physics professor Sarah Seeger and a whole bunch of biochemists that are looking into stuff um, that comes in. So that's right up the alley of what you were saying, Coop, is that um, – there has been physical evidence of some type of life on other planets. So I'm guessing that you're going to be ending up on the Mulder meter. I mean, on, yeah, on the Mulder meter on this one. Now, what about like Stargate, right? You, you know the movie Stargate? Yeah, I remember that. So aliens show up on Earth and populate the, uh, populate like these underdeveloped uh, continents. Or what about that? Um, uh, different continents, um, different parts of the African, uh, rainforest. Uh, we kind of covered this in our, um, in our urban legends that there's just parts of the world that we don't know anything about and have not explored. So could there be a, a secret underwater base of alien spaceships somewhere out in the uh, sea that we don't know about? Absolutely. Could there be some kind of, uh, jungle heritage, uh, alien race that crashed here uh, a thousand years ago that's just been very quiet and living undisturbed uh this entire time there's i don't see why there couldn't be like it's not a matter of me to say well no that's impossible because it's just impossible like there's no reason to say that it's not possible completely possible you, you know what my thought is yeah. tardigrades tardigrades are aliens <laughs> <laughs> they're nigh indestructible they live in volcanic vents and i just saw an episode of short treks where they actually uh flew through warp passes for space wow 
Well, you well, know, that's, that's you, my two cents. Hey, might, <laughs> might have to look more into this. <laughs> yeah, you could be one hundred percent right. This is the amalgam files. Nothing is taboo until it is. So, you know. <laughs> well, Keith, thanks so much for calling in and giving us your two bits, and um, enjoy the rest of the show. And we hope to hear from you again real soon. All right, thanks, man. All right. Bye, Jordan. See ya. Oh, wow. The phone lines are lighting up. People have ideas and opinions about this, which um, we assume that they would. Um, getting a little bit back on topic, um, we, were, we were just getting off the NASA and kind of moving on to, you know, the more um, clandestine side of all of this. Like, there is... I mean, it's hard not to say that there is a faction or portion of the entire, you know, United States government and um, other world governments that don't want this to be a thing, um, have done all kinds of things to suppress and destroy evidence and information. Um, this is something I think we should, at the very least, graze over. Like, um, you know, I don't want to get too much, you know, men in black theory and have us looking through the blinds and you know, all of that stuff. But at the same time, like, you know, it's, there's been some very strange things to say the very least that have happened that are tied to our own government. What do you think about that, Jordan? I mean, when you talk about places like area 51 and, um, I forget the name of the other, um, real big, uh, I'm trying to think of the other, uh, air base out there. That's like, uh, it's huge. And it's, it, I think it's in, um, Wyoming or something. I forget the name of it. I can't remember the name at the moment, but, you know, what are these places for? What are they doing at, you know, Area 51? And why has, and, and again, the government has lobbied that, no, this is not a secret. Area 51 has always been there. We weren't trying to hide it. I don't remember there being a whole um, well, lot of like, about this place. Well, I know, I know that Area 51, they claim it as a uh, Nevada test and training range. Um Fun little tidbit, when I was in, I think I was in seventh grade, my math teacher, she actually lived in, uh, in, in one of the towns that's real close to, uh, it's either Rachel or Heiko, okay. um, and she lived there back when they were doing uh, like the nuclear testing mm -hmm. at Area 51, and so the uh the cover of her yearbook and she was maybe like in elementary school at this age right. um actually had a picture of a mushroom cloud on the front of the yearbook her town was basically known for was that like most of the people living in this town were scientists that were commuting to go do the nuclear testing wow so the elementary school and the high school and the and the junior high they like they totally embraced this whole nuclear lifestyle. <laughs> like, yeah, like it's and like it it's a big just deal. Just, just atomic bombs going off over the horizon. And it, it's just amazing uh, what people can get used to as it relates to this topic. A um, little more about Area 51. Um, obviously, everyone knows about the famous Roswell crash in um, 1947, um, one of the only uh, real evidential, evidential, um, spaceship or spacecraft crashes that we know about, like that there's actual evidence and there have been pictures taken. And of course the government kind of chalked it up to, oh, it was a weather balloon that 
crashed you know and it's like okay we we, we can yeah, okay. we hear yeah right it's like it's just a little far-fetched to be like okay well then why did you know you waste millions of dollars in um time you know covering up a weather balloon crash that was you know something that happens uh you know kind of routinely not all the time but enough where okay if you say hey well this was a weather balloon crash it's not like the american people are going to be like oh, a weather balloon crashed wow like it's you know why why cover it up why 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 are people missing and why is there um evidence of things being um you know confiscated from uh different uh scenes where this is going on um well that and they were also like oh yeah it was it was training sessions training sessions and a weather balloon crashed exactly both just happened to happen at the same time right 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 around the same on the same exact day that that a that a spacecraft or a unidentified flying object crashes in the nevada desert it's just like you said it's it's just way too convenient um I wanted to kind of go over this. Um, well, and not to mention, in my research, most of the information I was able to get actually came from like Encyclopedia Britannica, BBC News. Like most of the information I could find actually talking about Area 51 was from British news sources. Very few American sources wanted to comment anything on Area 51. And I'll tell you one thing about our neighbors across the pond. Um, they are, they have absolutely no qualms about, um, you know, saying how they feel, the government and uh, the citizens alike, about extraterrestrials and how, like, there's been some awesome occurrences over there as well. Um, I remember there was this Air Force base um, in actual, in England. And um, it was an American, or no, it was a joint American-English um, uh, Air Force base where they were housing nuclear weapons. This is a known fact. Well, no, it's it's not supposed to be a known fact. It was something that was very hush hush at the time. But basically, they were to, they you know they were housing these nuclear weapons, and it was um, a joint effort that if we ever get attacked again, like uh, you know, like in one of the big world wars, that we would have a cache of nuclear weapons to be able to defend both countries from a position that's kind of halfway in between the two. Um, and this is a a a, a, a um, kind of like Russia with Cuba. Yeah, exactly, exactly like that. And um, you know, this is uh, right off of the Bering Sea that this um, air force base or this air base was. And there was this uh, patrolman working on the grounds of the Air, Air Force Base. And um, he saw these lights. And um, uh, actually, George, our caller, had brought up MUFON. Um, those are the people who he um, had uh, filed his report um, of, being adup- of, of being abducted to. And uh, MUFON was actually the people who interviewed this gentleman I'm speaking of now. Um, and he um, he saw some lights and he reported it to a senior officer. The senior officer then brought him back out there and then took a look where he was saying that the lights were. And he saw the lights as well. Therefore, they went back and got like a, you know, a small unit. And then they brought Geiger counters and weapons and things of that nature just to kind of go check it out again. And um, it was confirmed by the entire unit. After this happened, um, this man who reported this and um, told the senior officer was then cordoned off. Um, by two members of the what he what he describes to be the U.S. military, 
and they told him to keep his mouth shut, period, about this, that he was not allowed to ever speak about this again, and that if um, he did, there would be dire consequences. Um, and he waited for years before he actually, you know, came of, uh, had the courage to come forward. And it's like, you think about that. How many people have been threatened into silence? Um, you know, like they, they call in and try to tell the proper authorities, Hey, look, I just saw a UFO. And then they send, you know, and then some government guys or some men in black show up and are like, you know, you, you're not allowed to say anything about this. You have to think about the ratio of how much, cause there are a lot of people who, have reported and, and uh, recorded different interactions with extraterrestrial life and or unidentified life from other places than Earth. And, um, you know, usually when that happens, there are some shadowy government types that kind of pop up and are like, hey, um, yeah, don't say anything or, you know, we'll be back. And that's kind of scary, you know, to think about that. And um, that's I think that's a good way to segue into um the next portion of our discussion um or the rest the end part of our discussion of the more clandestine um side of this um we've kind of glazed over the possibility of the moon being a place where um some of this stuff is going on area 51 obviously um and i'm sure there are other installations on earth and in our country that are specifically geared towards you know keeping these secrets and or housing whatever information and evidence that there is. So um, what do you think about that, Jordan? Like when you think about, um, you know, the Pro and, you know, the different um, factions of U.S. government that have um, obviously and readily been available um, with this information and what that could mean um, going forward for us as not only a race of uh, human beings, but as, you know, United States citizens. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, I find it interesting that a lot of these organizations that are talking about aliens, they're claimed to be civilian organizations. So, you know, Joe down the street decided that he wanted to research alien abductions. But the thing is, a lot of the people that are actually running these um, programs are people that are actually from the military. Ex-Air I mean, Force, yes, ex-soldiers, and yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of got to believe that somebody knows something and they're high. Well, no, we are obviously in agreement to we this. Just, oh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean just, to cut you we off. We just haven't found a way to prove that they're lying. Oh, no, you're fine. Well, here's the thing. If we ever I mean, can, I guess. I believe, I, I, to me, the proof is right there um, in the pudding. Like, uh, you know... It's kind of crazy that, um, you know, you have this opportunity to uh, say, hey, look, you know what, American citizens, there's nothing crazy going on. We'll send, we'll have a press conference in Area 51, show you around the place, you know, let you know what's going on. And it's like, if there's nothing, if there's nothing to, to hide, you know, I put the nuclear weapons away. You know, and, and, you know, <laughs> lock all the guns up and, you know, let people walk through this place and see that there's nothing to fear, see that there's nothing, um, you know, sinister or extra going on. And it's like, wouldn't it be in their best interest? Like, okay, well, here's what happened in Roswell or, or you know, just if, if anything to come clean with it, I think would be the best policy. But it's like, and, and the question well, for me I is, mean, go ahead. Go ahead. 
Oh, no, I was going to say the question well, for I mean, me. It's like in 2013, right. uh, George Washington University, uh, the national security are posted there. Um, they requested back in 2000, I think it was five, information about uh, Area 51. And in 2013, with the Freedom of Information Act, they released information about Area 51 and admitted that it actually existed. But the only information they would basically release about what was being done there was the nuclear testing and then the history of the U-2 spy plane. Right. And so, but, but there's, there's no further information that the U.S. government has given about any projects working there other than it's just a training hmm. well it seems to be a little bit more going on for my taste than just a training facility i think i think at the very least i think i think at the very least there's um something a little more sinister happening um and on I that mean, you note, can't tell me that in seven years nothing else has happened since since then Exactly. That, like it's that just they can, that they can tell us about. I mean, seven years, that's a long time. I mean, right. credit scores, you know, bad stuff goes off your credit by then. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like, I mean, that's a, that's a prison term. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a very, it's a, it's a very long time to adjust and, and, you know, reacclimate. So it's like, what's, what's been going on since. And I agree. Um, I think that's a good place to um, segue into our commercial break. We will be right back after these words from our sponsors over there, Deadly Grounds Coffee. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. We are back. So, um, we were talking about the more clandestine things and um, the more shadowy government side of everything right after those words from our sponsors over there at Deadly Grounds Coffee. And um, shout out to all our callers. Like, the amount of participation we are getting um, for people calling in and leaving voicemail. We have a ton of voicemails. And um, call-ins, thank you guys for being so awesome and, and just, you know, paying us a little bit of attention and hearing what we have to say. It, um, it means a lot. So thank you all. Um, so, Jordan, evidence, evidentiary things that we have. Um, you know, where are the alien corpses from these crashes? You do have some people who had evidence or claim to have evidence. And they totally got shut down. So, I mean, like like Barney and, and Betty Hill. Um, so I was looking at, I was reading about them. 
and at the top of it, it shows this black and white photo, and I looked at it for a second, and I was like, wait a minute, what year is this? And this abduction case um, took place in 1961, and mm. they are an interracial couple. And it, it just kind of got me to thinking a little bit further about it. And I did some research, and they were, in fact, uh, NAACP members, and they were members on a board for uh, their local uh, Commission of Civil Rights board. <clears throat> but what I found interesting was that even though Barney's accounts of what happened were far more detailed than Betty's accounts, and which all of their stuff lined up. It was just that Barney gave way more details. Um, they basically were sent to a hypnotist, a psychiatrist mm -hmm. who dealt in hypnotism. Right. Uh, I believe his name was Dr. Benjamin Simon. Okay. Um, and both, both people were so traumatized during their hypnosis sessions that he actually uh, made it so they wouldn't remember their sessions and, and I guess taped what was said so that they could Oh, so he repressed, he made sure to repress the memories but to record what happened yes. while they were under hypnosis. Yes, because wow, he kept that's very to interesting. Stop. Well, he kept having to stop during Betty's because she would just like break down crying. Yeah, freaking out, right. And couldn't continue. And Barney was so freaked out. He kept repeating like the same lines over and over and over again. And they weren't getting anywhere. And they were they were pretty much afraid that they were going to mentally break outside of these sessions because they would remember the stuff that they had originally repressed. Um, but after the fact, after listening to everything that they said, even though so much of their stuff lined up, it was just Barney was giving more information than Betty. The psychiatrist basically looked at Barney and was like, yeah, none of that was real. That was, that was all just some fantasy dream you had. Mm. But then looked at Betty and was like, mm, this is plausible. Well, you know, the 60s, the 60s being a black man in general was a dicey proposition and then on top of that you're married to a caucasian woman and then you're members of the NAACP and proud prominent you know, this is something that the world just this their entire situation was something the world just wasn't ready for like, yeah and i mean all of betty's uh notes and all of the evidence that she provided and the tapes of her sessions and and her telling her version of the story all of that stuff is actually still in a permanent collection at the University of New Hampshire. Wow. But his isn't. But, but none of his stuff is. Wow. Oh. And they've actually marked the, uh, the alleged um, abduction site as a historical marker. Mm. But, um, and what I, what I found funny was that, so, well, not really funny more tragic um so barney had like all of this information that he shared with them well he went on to die seven years later after mm. the abduction which it was actually only three years after the hypnosis session that he died 
Yeah, and you had talked, you had, um, you had explained died, um, how, and it was very a, interesting. He died of a cerebral hemorrhage. Right, that's what it you, was. Which, if you look up what causes a cerebral hemorrhage, it is basically high blood pressure and stress or trauma. Sounds like he died from a broken heart. Mm, and mm, mm. I was reading it, and I was like, this is, this is I'm going to go, like, moon landing conspiracy here. And I'm like, mm, he knew too much. They yeah. wanted him gone. <laughs> yeah, they wanted him out of there because, it, think about it, she's fine. Her stuff's in the New Hampshire, yeah, I mean, but he, lived, he's discredited like and then later something. dies under what could be construed as mysterious I mean, he circumstances. Was, he, was only, he was only in his 40s. Mm. He was like 45 or something, something like that. And he with, died of a with no real hemorrhage. prominent uh, health history or anything. Like he yeah, wasn't and, having seizures before this. And because because it was kind of sketchy, I went and I tried to find everywhere any any information about the cerebral hemorrhage, and nowhere could I find any information about it. All wow. I could find was everywhere just labeled him as dying from a cerebral hemorrhage, and that was that no other information that is see yeah see stuff like that and we talked we kind of touched on this before and i want to kind of glaze over this real quick before we go into our questions and um, on in our discussion but the more clandestine um part side of the government um it's such a catch-22 because on the one hand here you have these badasses that will at the at the moment's notice put themselves and limb and liberty at risk to you know do the impossible so that you know we can sleep safe at night with our liberties and that is such a safe and awesome feeling you know that there are people out there there are bad it's like trained badasses that will dismantle a government just to protect our interests like that that's that's an awesome feeling but then you gotta kind of flip that around and you know, you know too much, and now they're coming after you. They're coming, you know, and this is and this is what I'm thinking to myself as I'm like trying to, you know, you appreciate it, but at the same time, you would be a fool not to consider the ramifications of the other side of that coin. What if you were the threat? You know, what if you were the one who knew too much, or 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 your details were too on point, and they had to send these same powers that make us feel safe after you to shut you up. They could do it. Mm. You know, they could do it. They could easily make discredit you, make you look crazy. Like we've all seen the movies and read the books and everything. Like we know how it works loosely without being directly involved. We have a broad idea, you know, of how this goes down, you know, how the shadow men, the CIA, the NSA, you know, um, how these people, DARPA and, how, you know, all these different organizations, we know how they work generally. They're secretive. They are very, very well-trained, very well-funded, have amazing resources, and will do literally anything. And by when I say anything, I mean including attacking, detaining, or even killing American citizens to keep a secret. Like, this is not something that's like, Oh, Jordan and Ian, you know, okay, you know, you're going too far off the rails here. No, this is just as plausible as if it was Osama bin Laden and he was the threat. And how they sent, you know, a SEAL Team 6 after him and they found this man and murdered him and, you know, got rid, got him off the equation. 
if if they thought that you were a threat like that, it yeah. could easily be you. And I don't think that I don't I don't get the government sitting back going, oh, well, this is, you know, a little too. Let's not, you know, let's leave the kid gloves on and let's just talk to the guy. Maybe he'll, you know, sign a disclosure agreement or something. No, it's like, all right. Yeah, this dude knows too much. And, you know, seven years later, he dies of a cerebral hemorrhage, a, a 40 something year old, healthy black man with absolutely no bad health history, uh, married, happy, well adjusted human being just drops dead seven years later after obtaining this information and yeah it's it makes you scratch your chin at the very least it should make you scratch your chin and ask questions so i mean i, I think it, i think at the very least even if it wasn't that he knew too much and they wanted to keep him quiet i mean imagine that amount of stress mm. being traumatized with what at least he thought was an abduction well if you think about it the doctor and had to repress him just to keep him calm so there right, was and they basically told him oh you're full of it and you just had a bad dream <laughs> and imagine imagine living with that for well it was three years after the hypnosis session that he died seven years after the abduction um imagine living with that for like three years trying to figure out what was real and what was a dream and not being able to to associate with that or if you and, were crazy you know or if you just yeah. didn't you know if you just and, were and losing about, it and think about the kind of stress that has to put on a person and your marriage and your life oh my god i can only imagine so i mean even if it wasn't you know them trying to shut him up i mean he had to be super stressed about a lot of stuff yeah, I imagine and, so. I mean, and and, and it was the '60s. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, this this is just too. There's only so much a person could take, and I think that that's what these circumstances, this particular circumstances, was was just mm, too much. But um, okay, so not going so far off into conspiracy theories or saying that there are. But, you know, again, we, and, and, and this is, you know, just pretty much piggybacking off of what we were just talking about. You know, there are these questions, you know, that we have where it's like, all right, so what is going on here? And one of the more interesting um, things we had brought up was the Apollo 11, um, not only flight, but, um, and you and I kind of touched on this um, off air, was those missing two minutes and what that meant. And um, yes. the fact that it's been pretty much said by people military men like you this is a very interesting point that you brought up like these aren't like waitresses and cooks like these are people who used to work in an air force base and people that we trust with our national these, these are people who work for the nsa and you know these are people who you know we trusted with our national security and our and our liberties like to say oh well you're talking ufos so now let's just discredit you like we thought they were honest enough to hold the position that they did but we don't think they're honest enough to tell us the truth about what they see or what they heard or what they know like yeah like i mean barney and betty reported this to the nicap which is like a it's it's labeled as a civilian ufo research group and the people that they were reporting this stuff to are were actually people that were in our u.s military Mm. even though they're labeled as civilian. Well, but let's let's be let's be 100% candid here. The military is very well versed and involved up to their eyelids in a lot of this stuff. If it's not the encounters that they're not reporting, it's the ones that they're covering up. Period. Yes. Like let's just be frank about it. Like I'm not 
if there is evidence that there is life on other worlds, the U.S. government definitely has knowledge of it. And it's not even close. Like, it's not even something that I would consider as a, hmm, well, maybe it could be, a, you know, kept out of their grasp. And no, I screw that. I believe 100% that this country and its government knows more than what they want us to know. Whether there is or is not life on other planets, to the extent, all of that. There's something that they don't want to tell us. And I, and there's some interesting theories about this. And again, we're kind of glazing over the more conspiracy theorist side of it. But, you know, this guy, um, you know, a, a scientist, as I was watching this um, show based on um, abductions of aliens and stuff, um, and, I mean, with involving aliens, he brought up the fact that, you know, it's actually just smart thinking to look at the world around us and see global warming, hole, holes in the ozone layer, um, you know, all these different telltale signs that our Earth is dying. So it would make a lot of sense for there to be a preemptive... Um, attempt to colonize other planets like it just makes sense and you know what i agree i 100 percent agree as it relates to you know me having being a father and wanting my son to live on you know if the if the earth was in viable danger i agree we should have some kind of outlet to save those that need to be saved the rest of us yeah we should die on this rock because you know we're the ones who did who destroyed it but for the future races, you know, they should have something to look forward to. So I agree. That's something that, you know, we could possibly understand, wrap our minds around. So why not just be real about it? Why not just say, hey, look, we're building a space station on the other side of the moon, and we're going to build, you know, uh, uh, you know, colonies on Mars, and we're going to ship people there and try to, you know, colonize these planets and live. You know, this is not a bad thing. Like, I don't understand, like, uh, maybe the urgency to want to get there and do it would might change. And but wouldn't that be a good thing, like, for them to have the people to make these kind of things happen if they wanted to? Like, why cover this up and keep it a secret? If there is life on other planets, you know, wouldn't that, you know, inspire people to want to travel far enough to meet them? For us to create technology great enough to be able to bridge that gap? Like, if you told us that there's gray Martians that live in a galaxy two galaxies over, you know, that came here 50 years ago and crashed and they told us this, you know, that just boosts mankind's, you know, like want to reach further out there. You know what I mean? And maybe even change ourselves so that when we didn't eat life that wasn't from this world that, you know, we didn't, you know, try to kill them or take their planet over or something as soon as we met them, like, they, you know, like happens too much on Earth with humans. I don't know. It's like it's a it's a catch 22 for me. Well, but you have, um, I mean, the people who are in charge in our planet, I don't really think they want to change. Um, and also, I mean, there are going to be those people that, yes, now that we, now that we know aliens exist, we want to go and we want to meet them and make friends and all of this, but there are definitely going to be the other people who are going to be totally freaked out and want nothing to do with it. And they are gonna basically cause this epidemic that you know they're freaking out um and even so i mean knowledge is power mm. i mean every 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 person in power will will tell you as much and the fact that if we knew that you know oh we have a colony on the moon everybody's going to want to go if something were to happen to the earth and right. they don't and they don't want everybody to go Mm. They want, I didn't even want, think of that. That's actually a really good point. 
I mean, think about think about the uh, the bomb shelter in the White House. There's room enough for what, like, twenty people down in there. Right, and out of all those people who work in that building, oof, damn. You know what? You and are cold. And, and they're gonna they're gonna oof. take the mo- most powerful people in that building and put them in that in that bomb shelter if something happens. They're Jordan, not gonna you- take the maid down the hallway. They're gonna take. They're gonna take the prime minister of England with them if he's if he's. And you know what? You gotta be a cold piece of work to really, like to, to to discard life like that. Like I'm sorry. Oh, uh, don't even get me started. I'm sorry. I, I was. I just went off on a little bit of a tangent. But that's that is a that is how it works like the the most powerful the most influential the most important can survive and the rest of us are an afterthought mm. and that's that catch 22 that i was speaking about with the more clandestine side of this like why keep this like we we like we brought up um apollo 11 and their their landing you know buzz aldrin was on record on hand like people were using hand radios because the television um, satellite feed that was being um, beamed across different parts of the country and um, in other countries to, um, you know, televise this historic event. You know, they were able to control that a little bit better, like decide who got to see what and why. And that's why you have the missing two minutes. But the radio waves, they couldn't do anything about at the time. They didn't have the technology to be able to stop radio waves from being transmitted or captured. Um, that's why radios, like even in the doomsday times would probably be one of the only forms of mass communication that would be available because there's really nothing that you can do to stop radio waves from being transmitted. You know, you just need a way to catch them, house them. So, um, you know, people heard them talking about a a white dot off in the distance that was zipping back and forth or following them. I forget exactly how it was. Um, I'm sure that any, anyone listening to this, um, cast right now can look up uh, Buzz, Buzz, Buzz's exact words um, on Apollo, but um, you know, how much more it was, evidence... It was Marvin Moon Martian. <laughs> right, like, like you know... <laughs> he had his 364-32 space modulator. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, um, that is actually, you know what, Jordan, Marvin the Martian is like one of my favorite Looney Tunes of all time, just as a side note. Um, because we're talking about alien life, he's actually one of my favorite ones. Um, but here you have, you know, an astronaut, um, ex-military man, astronaut, someone who, you know, we trusted with this mission. And he flat out is saying, I see something. There's something going on out here. What is this? And they're asking, well, where, where's the location to, on this white dot? He's telling them the vector and uh, coordinates for it. And it's like, how much more... How, for real, for real, how much more evidence do we need? Like, let's be well, honest. Let's, and, and you were talking about, you know, like the two minutes and then also that they overshot their landing and stuff like that. And there were just a lot of coincidences. Of, of, yeah, like a, lot of, like a lot of things that just didn't add up. And, you know, it, it said that, okay, we already know that there's something on the moon or that was the whole point was that was the first initial um contact for man to build structures on the moon and you know i gotta ask myself how many times have we been back secret secretively without anyone knowing what have we brought up there like it's not impossible to think like out of the how long ago was that almost 
what the 50s uh, so we're talking 60, well the moon landing years was ago? 1969 okay so we're talking about 50 years ago 50 years ago uh we'd be talking about 60 years ago okay so how many times have we been back since in 60 years if it took how long did it take to um to um back then with that technology for them to get ready and execute that mission what a, a, a half a year something like that so how many times in that time span with the technology and the advancements that we've made now lithium and um you know the communication 5g satellites and it, like think about it how like it's perfectly plausible to think that they built some kind of structure and or colonization attempt on the moon it's the closest to the earth and with you know if you build buildings it's completely habitable like you can live on the moon with no problem well i mean they they send up stuff all the time for you know the satellites and repairing the satellites and um sending rovers and stuff like that and i mean they have to get there somehow and don't we have space stations like we have space stations like actual places uh, in space where people can live even even if we don't, I'm pretty sure Russia does. So there you go. Like, uh, it, Russia has a, a, uh, like a, a small space station with the satellite, I believe. All right, then let's just put this part of it to bed. It's absolutely plausible that there are structures and or buildings on the moon. Let's just go ahead and put that in the molder meter. Um, and I'm actually going to get a I, – I would love for someone to let me know what you think about um, Buzz's um, – words during that missing two minutes of visual television like what he said why he said it and i would like to know what you guys think about that um moving right along from our um, more conspiracy theory um <laughs> we're gonna go into our poll results which i think is becoming a more staple and steadfast part of what we do here i think we're just gonna keep that um, traditionally moving along, I think we're going to uh, refer to our polls and give one out for every topic. Um, and I'm um, having a little trouble bringing it up here, Jordan. If you have it in front of you, you can just... Uh, I believe I believe the numbers were uh, 51 believed, 51 on the Molder meter, hmm. and one on the Scullyometer. And... That's like a landslide. Like I mean, in which that's, that's you, an overwhelming amount of. Like I did not, and I'm gonna be 100 percent honest with you. I had no idea that it would be that overwhelming. Like I thought that for sure there'd be some, you know, some people ringing in on the scoliometer, but like no, like just yeah. I no. I expected at least a handful of people on the scoliometer. No, and it's been, not, it was not like just one. one. Yeah, it was like one. One person out of like 50 or oh, – hold on, let me check. I have it. I have it now in front of me. Um, the ending results as of right this minute was 54 to 2. So there was some. Oh, okay. So we did get another one. Yeah, we got right. one more. So it was 54. But even that, still, it's it's just astronomically waved in the other, in the, um, other side. Um so I have to I have to really say that it to me it, it it's very puzzling to me that so many people not only believe in this but know that there or that there has been some evidence or have some kind of opinion on this and like it's still a question or you know it's still something where we have to figure out you know is the government telling us um exactly what's going on 
Um, so thank you all who, uh, you know, participated in our poll and um, kind of showed some love and gave us, you know, your opinions and what you thought. I think we're going to make this a staple kind of thing um, from here on out as far as Amalgamania is concerned. When um, we get ready to do a show, we are definitely going to give you guys um, a heads up so you can go ahead and vote on the poll. I am I'm yeah, absolutely... Yeah, we actually, I mean, we got a ton of people and even people... Um, that were wanting to contribute that were like, Oh, I'm not going to be able to call in. So I'll send you a message later. <laughs> and they do. <laughs> and they, they do are, they stick by their words. They send messages. Uh, I've gotten text messages, emails, Patsy, um, Pat Ray Hall had sent in, um, he recorded something on voice and sent it over to us. Um, it was just so, so much. And we love the participation and thank you guys for, making this an even more awesome experience. I mean, me and Jordan, we, this, we do this for fun, kicking around different theories and, you know, talking about different topics, but to have so much participation and other points of view, I think just makes it more awesome. And, yeah. um, and speaking of which, we have a text message from, from Jason. Jason? Yeah. Our, um, our neighbor from across the pond. Which we've already established that, you know, over there, alien-related yeah, stuff. Yeah, they, they play no games. Acceptable. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, they play no games. And it's, and it's not as hush-hush. I mean, I'm sure that they've covered up some things, but it's a lot more not, naturalistic. Not like we do. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. Like, I don't think that they have, like, I mean, I'm sure they have their men in black, but I don't think, I think it's just more about getting information than it is about hurting or detaining or killing people. Um, yeah. So or Jason St. Carey. in the dark for the hell of it. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, making them die of a broken heart from nobody believing them. Wow. Um, poor Barney. Um, so Jason St. Carriott writes, back in 1996, I was 16. Um, a friend and myself were walking down the street and saw a light in the sky in the distance. It started getting closer, and we realized it was coming in really low. It went over our head, and from below it looked like a large black triangle with a light in each corner. It moved very fast and did not make a sound, disappearing into the distance. After there were quite a few reports of this thing being seen around the UK, you can actually see it online. Okay, so there was. So is that where that picture came from? Um, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, the picture is it's pretty clear. It's somebody's. Yeah, like, somebody took that from a phone, or, right? Yeah. Um, he goes and, on and to say, it's not just like photoshopped or right. No, this was, I've, it, this picture is it, from, and I'm no photo expert working in a lab, but it looks very authentic. Um, from first it, glance, it doesn't, it doesn't look like the blurry Nessie pictures. No, no, you can clearly <laughs> see there's something with four lights in the sky shaped like a triangle very easily. Um, he goes on to say, I have always believed, um, there is life out there in the, in the other life out there in the universe. We can't all. I mean, we can't be all there in such an infinite space, and I believe we have been visited multiple times. Um, thank you, Jason St. Carriott, for that, and um, we appreciate you sharing your experience. That was awesome of you. Um, and yeah, and, we'll have, to, and it, we'll have to see if we can get some more feedback from him about that at some point. Oh yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, no. I plan, I absolutely plan to have him on because we're going to revisit this topic um, for a couple of different reasons because there's just so many topics I mean, within there was this just topic so much that we just 
totally ignored because yeah there's, just there's no way we can cover yeah we can't cover everything on this one but we are going to try to hit some of these topics within the topic especially the more clandestine and cover up and evidentiary side of everything but um um yeah we're definitely gonna have to invite him on for that um but you know and, and it's it's kind of weird that his experience kind of <laughs> Uh, well, it's a good way for us to segue into our next portion of the discussion. Um, I got some questions. Jordan, I got questions. All right. Okay. What kind of questions? Oh, do I got questions. Um, all right. So, our, okay. I want to I get your most least believable UFO counter because we've been talking. We've actually been campaigning on the Mulder Meter side this entire cast, okay? And we have given no love to the scullyometer side of this. And, you know, there are those two people out of the 54. You know, we got a campaign for them, too. So I want to hear your most ridiculous alien counter story. Like, the most, like, as soon as you heard it, you're like, nah, son. That's what um, we're going to call it. We're going to call it your nah, son story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I think for me, it was, I mean, we've all heard of the stretch of highway in Nevada, uh, the extraterrestrial highway. Yes, and we plan to get t-shirts. Have... Yes, yes. <laughs> we, will... we will journey out to Nevada just to get t-shirts. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, there are so many people that report sightings on the extraterrestrial highway, and I understand that it comes from the fact that the original crash site was nearby. Uh, and you Roswell. talk about the Roswell, yeah. Yeah, the Roswell crash site with the grays and all of that. Totally get that. That's that's why people are saying that are that are claiming to see these sightings there. But you can't tell me that out of our entire planet that all of the aliens are like, I'm landing right there. Just like right there, right. <laughs> yeah, look, there's a big field over there, but screw it. We're going to land right there. Right there. <laughs> That's like, funny. I mean, you just, it, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. No, I got you. I got you. I got you. And that's, yeah, that does make it a lot and less there credible. There are so many people that they report these sightings there. And I, I mean, maybe one or two, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to believe all, you know, 60 reports in this right. one place. Can you can you imagine being, you know what, Jordan? I'm going to make you the alien landing highway um, dispatcher from here on out. All right? Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine that being your job and you getting some of those calls? Oh, God. Like, the, especially the ones that start off like, I've been probed. <laughs> Like you I would love to be a fly on the wall. I would you gotta ease into that conversation. You really, yeah, you. It's, yeah. <laughs> that one takes a little finesse. Like I will, I will accept that you have perhaps been probed, but you can't just, you can't just come at me right out of the box with "I've been probed." <laughs> Hold on, wait, wait. My stomach. Oh my god. She says, she says, like I will accept the fact. <laughs> You may been probed, but you just—you can't just like you know lead off with that. Wow. No, you can't. You can't just lead off with that because if you lead off with that, I'm gonna be like, 
Mm. Yeah, dude. Nah, yeah, that's that's rough business. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna need a drink for this conversation. Oh man, like they'd have, they'd have to pay hazard pay for that job. <laughs> they would have to. Um, mine, I think, and it's kind of funny because it loosely relates to Jason St. Carriott's um account of what happened, and it's kind of funny because his picture makes my story um kind of hard. Or maybe this guy heard of the same thing that Jason and um, the other people in the UK saw, and maybe that's what he based off. But the guy I'm about to bring up actually um, saw a triangle. He's trying to say that he was brought to the dark side of the moon by a triangle-shaped spaceship. So I don't know if this is like a reverse engineered. And that's another thing. You know, to say that this is alien is also He's stretched been because listening to a little too much uh, Pink Floyd, apparently. <laughs> yeah, apparently, right? But um, I think maybe that it it could be a, a reversed engineered, un- unidentified flying object that we own and are operating for whatever reason, which brings up my worst, um, <laughs> my worst uh, UFO encounter story, my nice son story. Um, so. Jordan, I need you to bear with me, okay? I need you to try to take this as serious. You're already starting, okay, to laugh, and I don't like that. All right, this is very important, and I need you to kind of work with me on this because it is a little far-fetched, and it's hard for me to repeat the details, but I'm going to do it as best as I can, okay? And it would help if you were serious, okay? I'll I'll do my best. I can't make any promises, though. (laughs) I'm so sure that you can't. (laughs) So um, there's a gentleman named Randy Kramer. And um, he uh, claimed to have been abducted or rather taken from his room in the middle of the night um, through a portal in his room, not a ship. It was a portal in his room that obviously led to a triangle. Well, at the time, he didn't know it was a triangle-shaped ship, but he knew it was a ship or some type of motor transportation that took him to somewhere craft, very, very if far. You will. Yeah, a craft, if you will. Um, to go somewhere, and he didn't know exactly where. And when he got to where they were going, he said it was him and about 40 or 50 other people. He said this was not just him by himself. That um, they told him, and he was a little boy. He, he couldn't have been more than uh, 12, maybe, 11, 12, 13, maybe. And, um, or maybe he was 15. I'm not sure. Um, he was in that in between 12 and 15 years old. And they but told he was still a kid. He was still a little kid. And um, some figures in all black, he said men in all black, um, told him that he was chosen to participate in a super soldier program on the dark side of the moon to be trained to go fight on Mars. Space Captain America. Jordan, you know, when you say it like that, I mean, it's very true, but when you say it like that, it's just... He, he's, he's super soldier, superhuman? All right, look, okay. Well, he's not superhuman, Jordan. He was genetically enhanced. Okay, he was taken from his room, brought through the portal to get on the ship, to go to the dark side of the moon, and that's where they did the genetic ex- enhancement experiments to make him a super soldier. And they turned him into a super soldier and trained him to be ready to fight on Mars, and then they took him to Mars in the spaceship that they used to send him through the portal and get him on the spaceship to bring him to the dark side of the moon. 
And, um, so, so can he can he breathe the atmosphere, or does no, he still he, have to wear a spacesuit? Of course, he was wearing a spacesuit, Jordan. Like, let's not be ridiculous. I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps the enhancement helped his breathing. I, no, maybe, maybe it didn't, he got rid of his asthma. I don't know. It didn't help his breathing or get rid of his asthma. It just enhanced him genetically. Okay, and it made him more susceptible to be able to go fight on Mars. Mm-hmm. All right. I, and, I'm seeing I'm seeing flaws <laughs> with this with this program. No, Jordan, and it was okay. What got me was when I because I saw this in a show, and what got me was I got a good look at the guy. His name's Randy Kramer, and I got a really good look at the guy because he was he actually came on this show and was talking about this experience. And when I looked at him, you know, being a comic nerd and loving all things pop culture and nerd here in Amalgamania and how we are accepting of all those things. Um, the first thing I thought about was genetic enhancement, super soldier, Steve Rogers. Like the first thing I thought about was Steve Rogers. And I got to tell you, Jordan, when I looked at Mr. Kramer, the first thing I thought about was him like in the same scene where Captain America chased down a taxi and like ripped the door off and threw the Nazi in the water and saved the lady and all that stuff. And that was my nah son moment. Like I'm looking at this guy <laughs> And I'm like, nah, son, you're not doing none of that. You're not chasing the cab down. You're not snatching the door up. You're not, you personally are not doing that. And if you are the last line of defense that we have against the Martians on Mars, I quit. I give up. I'm giving up. When the Martians come, I'm waving a white flag. Like, that's it. Uh, we, need, we need a reprieve, and we need some type of, you know, surrender here because Randy ain't going to get it. He's just not going to get it. It's not enough. Well, and you're saying that there were like 40 or 50 other people of all different ages. Well, that's what he was saying. He was saying, no, he said they were all the same age, around the same age group, that these were kids too. And that they were abducted and taken all at the same time. Okay, so they're collecting a bunch of uh, adolescent kids. To turn them into super soldiers on the other side of the, yes, Jordan. And could you please stop making it sound like that? I mean, this is what he said happened. We've got all of these people that are, that, compete in what the olympics the world cup and i mean all of these different sporting events that these people could probably i mean i i don't want to walk up on them in a dark alley but they're, well, Jordan, they're on the moon okay kids. they're not in the olympics they're on the dark side of the moon okay could you please keep but the story straight but they're but they're choosing a bunch of of 15 year old kids right like not to, anybody to from our them? special forces or like yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And that's why it was my most, the, the, the hardest story for me to believe. And again, this is the Amalga Files. Nothing is taboo until it is. So it's not like we're, we're completely saying that none of this could have ever happened. But I'm using this as an example as my most far-stretching that I don't believe. I mean, um, I mean perhaps, perhaps there is a, a legion of super soldiers you know space wonder woman and space batman and <laughs> yeah you can't say space batman all right i'm drawing a, jordan i'm drawing a line at space batman okay this is going on long enough okay i'm drawing a line this is it we're not going into space we already did space captain America. we're not doing space batman all right um <laughs> i mean <laughs> all right so um but I mean, it's it's totally possible that there is this, you know, space army. But yeah, I'm, I I'm I think gonna, that there is some I'm effort. Yes, on it being a bunch of kids. <laughs> right. No, and I think that NASA does have trainees um, 
with abilities to be able to withstand the harsh uh, environment of space better than regular civilians. So that's not too far-fetched, but like the whole super soldier fighting on Mars. Are they, and, are they super space soldiers too? All right, you know what? We're, we're, we're getting off this topic now. We're going to move right along because you're just making it ridiculous hard to even keep a straight face. <laughs> so here's my other question. What is your most believable UFO encounter story? Mine takes place in Vietnam. Where does yours take place? I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm going, I'm going back to Barney and Betty. I mean, okay, they okay, yeah, I, I was, I was actually thinking you were too. I mean, they had like their car magnetized. There, I mean, what would do that in the middle of a field? They were, they were out, and they thought they saw a shooting star and pulled out a set of binoculars and were trying to see the shooting star in the middle of a field. And more than anything, and it's the honesty of them, I think. Like, they reported this as if it was a car accident or a deer getting hit. Like, yeah. they didn't, like, you know, oh, my God, let's, you know, let's get rich and, you know, go to the news. Like, they, they called the proper authorities, like, two responsible Americans – are supposed to do something happens yeah. you contact I, the authorities I mean, right that's how it goes yeah i mean their car afterwards um there were spots on their car these sh like shiny circles on their car mm. and if they were to um take a compass and hold it over the circle it would just go crazy. The needle just wow. spinning around and around and around. Like yeah, that's like enough to free. Like I actually got goosebumps when you said that. Like I could totally believe. Like I don't even. I don't even. I'm not really well versed with their story, but just the way you describe it, I actually think that this. It just sounds true. Like it just. It really does sound like um, something that happened. You know. So and she got. She got back and she had a red dress on, and it was covered in pink powder when they got home and it was torn all up. Oh, um, wow. And I mean, she, she tried to throw it out and then thought better of it and pulled it back out. And So they still have this dress and all this other evidence. I believe the dress is at um, the university of New the, Hampshire. Of New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah. It said um, that. Wow. And Barney's binoculars, the, the strap on them was ripped. Um, and he, he, he said right off the bat that he was pretty sure he had repressed some information. Um, and so he couldn't remember a whole lot, but, well, at first. Um, but he had like this overwhelming um, feeling when he got home of he needed to go and he needed to shower and sanitize himself. And he, he needed to basically check his different parts of his body over yeah just to make sure yeah he was something was wrong something was wrong right you know I, I and i and it's weird it's i don't know why but when you're talking about like i can i can feel what he's feeling while you're telling me like i can i understand the concern it sounds like it makes sense more than anything else you know more than all poor barney and everything else it just it just makes sense like when you're telling me this story like okay um what was the other guy's name uh mr kramer Randy? Yeah, Randy Kramer. Um, like, when I hear his story, I don't get this. Like, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. It just sounds wrong, right? 
but you're telling me this and it's like it just makes sense like it just like completely makes sense like even if i didn't want to believe this it would be hard for me to not understand the fact that it makes total and perfect sense like every part of my regular mind is just like yeah yeah sounds right and that's just wild so for me um mine takes place in vietnam um, okay. And again, I'm not 100%. I wish I had these, uh, the names of these, uh, these people, which I don't have in front of me. But um, basically, uh, on the South China Sea, right off the coast of, of, of one of the islands near Vietnam, um, and this was right after the war, like right after we had um, the war was over. So it was like maybe a few years after the occupation over there in Vietnam. And um, one of our boats was some area of interest of uh, it was oh demilitarized zone DMZ that's what it was called the DMZ they were he was traveling in this DMZ and um it was him and like three other officers with he was an officer and he had like three other uh, shipmates or four other shipmates with him on a U-boat and they're going up this uh demilitarized zone and they get this panic call from another boat in their area that says that they're being engaged by unidentified flying enemy aircraft so they shoot up and of course these are you know soldiers so they go to defend their their brothers and they get there and they immediately saw these two uh flying crafts with lights on them in the sky and they saw the other boat trying to get away from them so they um first they tried to hail um, them and explain that it was a demilitarized zone, whatever, whatever. There was no shooting or anything. They just tried to communicate with these things and they kept coming at them. So, um, you know, this sergeant or lieutenant or whatever he was um, decided to have them fire on the um, objects and the objects returned fire. And there was a firefight. Like there was these two U boats and these two flying objects fighting each other in, in the South China Sea. Like this was going on. One of the boats was completely destroyed, and there were only two survivors. Now, this is loss of life in the military. There's a record of this. Like, you can go and look up this encounter, um, and it happened. There aren't very many. Uh, actually, no, that's not true. There was actually a bunch of encounters during not only the Vietnam War, but the Korean War as well, um, where these objects were being uh, were encountered. Well, anyway, they were fighting them, and one of the ships was destroyed there was a loss of life and the survivors that did make it back to the boat explained to the lieutenant what had happened and he hightailed it out of there and told them you know that they would come back to investigate later on blah 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 but um the reason why i believe this is because like you know not only was it reported but in the military report the word that they used and this is why nobody really pays attention to this the word, and this has happened so frequently during the Vietnam War, and it's like kind of a staple thing, that if you were in, engaged by unidentified flying objects, whether they be enemy aircraft or whatever, you uh, cosign or um, uh, call sign them as enemy, quote unquote, helicopters. Um, all I all I can think of right now is the uh, the U.S. government being like, "Oh no, those are those U two spy planes." <laughs> Exactly, like, yeah, and they know these were... No, it's a weather that, balloon. Yeah, and, yeah, another weather balloon. And the way that these things were described, like, these were these were UFOs. These were, like, space alien UFOs. Something of another world was engaging our soldiers. So this isn't just, like, somebody's account. Like, these are, this is military accounts that you can look up and find 
the different um, documents to see if it happened and these things actually happened. So it's a little hard to discredit or discount this. Like, you know, um, Mr. Kramer's account may be a little bit easier, but this is something, there was destruction of property. There was loss of life. There was an incident report for this. So you can look it up, you know, and it's, what do you, how do you explain this? And the officers and the people who were involved are like, yeah, nah, these were not helicopters. I know what I'm an, I'm a soldier. I know what the hell a helicopter looks like. And it wasn't a helicopter, but they were told by their commanding officers that that's how they had to describe, um, the UFOs. Hovercrafts. Yeah. They that were they, no, no, no. That they were, yeah. Enemy helicopters. Yep. So those are, those are my, that's my most believable story. Um, uh, do you want to do Sean's parallel universe stuff? Did he send a, okay, so, 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 yeah, go ahead. You can read Sean, Sean's message. So this is from Sean Sponseller. He sent in a, a message, and he called in during the show, too, him and George. So shout out to Sean for the participation. Yeah. Um, yeah, he sent me a message uh, after the fact saying, um, talking about the parallel universe theory uh, hmm. and basically, I guess, different Earths. Um, so I guess that, I guess that counts as, you know, different planets outside of earth. Cause it's not our earth. Right. Um, so he said, uh, my thoughts on the parallel universe theory is that it's not a theory, but it's a very strong possibility to the point where I'm like, yes, it's real. Um, I feel this way because have you ever had dreams where they feel so real that it's like it's really happening, but when you look at yourself, you're not really yourself, um, but a completely different version of you. And in some cases are at a place that you, well, this planet version of you never has been um, to before, but all the details are so lifelike and a few years later or a few months down the road, uh, you find yourself in the same place that you were in, in your dream. Um, mm. And so I, I had asked him if he meant like uh, precognitive dreaming and deja vu and things like that. And he basically said that he thinks that that is his, um, that that is the reason that people have deja vu and precognitive dreaming that their consciousness basically is transferring from your body here to your body on earth five or whatever. Right. Um, and that's why some dreams are so vivid and why we relive things. And um, that the reason that some people are just more open to the experience. And that's why some people are more sensitive to these kind of uh, events. So that's a that's a that's a cool uh concept we might have yeah, to talk and, about and, and parallel universes more later but um yeah we'll definitely have to get that's a that's a pretty broad topic but when it, when you when you couple the science with it i gotta agree i don't i can't say no sean you're nuts like i gotta say i don't know like it's very very possible i mean string theory wormholes time space like it's not we don't know. He also, he also brought up that perhaps um, the reason why we go into these other versions of us is to help us make a decision. 
like mm. person person on earth 12 they chose to do x and they're trying to basically warn you to choose y and you can see what happened in their life and uh, why you should choose option y that apparently is my alternate universes um really need help doing laundry <laughs> uh, that's awesome so you, so that's, you that's so you what, go back to straighten them out make sure they're doing their chores yeah apparently apparently they're just like mm, you know i really don't feel like washing this uh well you know jordan today. we're gonna I let gotta, earth one you do it today <laughs> you know what jordan i gotta say that's very utilitarian of you to make sure that apparently. the other <laughs> that the other parallel universe users are doing their laundry that's that's spot on I, I hope they aren't expecting the laundry to get folded because that's not going to happen. For like that's not your thing. Yeah, that's like, not, that's, know. that's the Jordan from earth 53 that does that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's the one that is on top of it and is a proper adult. Um, I know that's right. This, this earth Jordan is not that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not doing none of that. And I got you. <laughs> that's awesome. So, um, I guess that just about does it. Oh, no, I wanted to um, re-mention our giveaway. Please let us know what you think about the show. Please let us know your opinion where you fall on the Moldometer or Scoliometer, life on other planets, are we alone in the universe? And we have an awesome prize for you. We're going to be giving away a Ripley action figure and a Alien Queen action figure, courtesy of Amalga Show and Tell. And, um, yeah, so get you some mm, awesome prizes. that is. Yeah, I know, right? The wonderful, the wonderful, good-looking gentlemen who are upstanding, amazing citizens of the universe, in all universes, even the parallel are you, ones. Are you, are you space Batman? <laughs> Look, Jordan, if I have, if I gotta get drafted into the Space Corps, I want to be space Batman. Is there something wrong with that? Like they already have space Captain America, you know? Come on. So, yeah, um, basically all you have to do is just let us know what you think about the cast. Let us know your thoughts on if there is life on other universes. Are we alone in the universe? And we will pick a random listener. Um, or, you know what? I got a better idea. Instead of picking a random listener, um, we will pick the person with, okay, just like we did our most believable and least believable you can go ahead and leave us either your most believable or least believable UFO encounter story. And Jordan and I will pick the best one and give that person the action, the Ripley action figure. So again, just to reiterate, we are doing a giveaway. Or, you know, send us, send us some pictures of those grays or, you know, yeah, send us some pictures of evidence, any evidence that you got, give us your best. I mean, your most believable UFO encounter story and your least most believable you encounter UFO encounter story. And we're going to pick the best one and give them an, a Ripley action figure and alien queen action figure. So definitely pay attention. Definitely let us know what you think. Give us your best, your uh, most believable and least believable alien encounter story. And we can hook you up with some epic prizage. So let us know what you think. I can't wait to read these. I just, I really can't. So I'm looking really forward to this giveaway. So please, everyone participate. I'm going to make sure that I share this a lot because I, I got to hear these stories. Um, there there are going to be some good ones. I can, I can, oh, already I can, I can feel it. I can feel it, Jordan, in my, in my, in my like nethers. I can feel it. It's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to be good stuff. 
Um, so, closing thoughts. I don't know, Jordan. I mean, we're pretty clear that we're both molded here and there's no convincing us otherwise. There is some type of life out there uh, we want to believe and you can fight us about it if you want to. That about yeah. sound right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that, um, I mean, the most likely reason for me as to why we haven't been visited, if they do exist, is just that, I mean, we're a mess. <laughs> like I was just thinking about that like these aliens that came during Vietnam and the Korean War I'm sure they were like oh Jesus take the wheel or they're, you know space Jesus like, take the wheel you know we made a wrong turn lock all the doors uh, we aren't coming back <laughs> yeah nah screw this these people are crater savages they're absolute savages like can you imagine what we must look like to a more intelligent race well, like we must look like straight up mongoloids well, and if Barney and Betty are to be believed, they they have like telepathic abilities, so they're probably reading our nation's leaders' minds, and they're like, mm, you know. And you know, we I actually <laughs> I'm gonna bring this back up because it's an awesome point, and um, everyone knows I always get flack for siding with Ultron from uh, the Avengers: Age of Ultron, and you know, <laughs> Ultron was right, and so are the aliens. Like after ten minutes of looking at the internet, forget about reading half the people on Earth's minds. After three minutes on the internet, I think that I think mankind should be destroyed too. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I completely get why Ultron woke up, read, like, was on the internet for like five seconds and was like, oh no, everyone has to die. Everyone. All the people. Like, everything. <laughs> well, it's like, um, it's, it's completely like and Lilu looking through the internet and she's like sitting there bawling because she's looking at all the pictures of all the wars and she's only been on there for five, 10 minutes. Jordan, I mean, I gotta, I gotta completely side. I gotta say that from that perspective, I can only, and you can't really because you're human. So, you know, there's that closeness, that togetherness, but think for a second outside of that box. Imagine if you were an artificial intelligence that sampled human life like yeah i'd be like oh no all of you people gotta go i mean we do have our endearing qualities and there are some wonderful things far, about far us away from this place <laughs> oh yeah 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 oh hell yeah there's no way there's no way i would never want to inhabit anything like uh, this place with with us here like it's just too dangerous it's too dangerous like people kill and hurt and murder each other for nothing so yeah no i can get it i get it so my closing thoughts that there's definitely life out there, and if it's intelligent, it'll stay away. It'll let us work out our shit and then come back when we're, you know, better people. Because after, after the Vietnam War and the Korean War and all those other wars that we fought and had, I'm sorry, I, I would look and be like, nah, we're going to leave those guys alone for a bit. Let them work their stuff out. What do you think? Um, I think definitely we're not we're not being visited, at least intentionally, anytime soon. <laughs> right. You know, that's fair. That is like that, I said, that's, we're a mess. We're a mess. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, and that does it for this episode of the Amalga Files. And um, our next episode, we're going to be talking about ghosts. That was my ghost impression, okay? It was pretty good. 
don't you oh, think? Oh yes, it was it was fabulous. Like, did you feel it? Did you feel like the supernatural like vibe I was? Yes, I felt out? like I was being haunted. Okay, good, good, good. Then my my work here is done. Thank you very much. We will see you on the next episode. <laughs> we will be going over ghosts and um, energy spirits, if you will. Um, we're going to talk Ouija boards. We're going to talk conjurings. We're going to talk possession. We're going to talk about it all. So ghosts, be here, be square. Not the like Patrick Swayze kind of. Yeah, actually, yeah, Patrick Swayze kind of ghosts. We're going to be talking about that, not that <laughs> movie. We're not going to be talking about that movie, but we're going to be talking about ghosts like him. Like not. Do I do I need to do I need to brush up on my Patrick Swayze movies? You haven't seen Ghost. I haven't. That's like the one Patrick Swayze movie that I have not watched. Jordan, I'm having. I'm, you know, I'm finding it a little hard to talk to you right now. I just want to say it's a little hard to have this conversation with. This is the Patrick Swayze movie. I mean, actually, Roadhouse is the Patrick Swayze. Yeah, actually, I was gonna say uh, Roadhouse. <laughs> yeah, and Red Dawn. Never mind. They're all dope, but or. This, um, or Dirty Dancing. Dirty or... Dancing, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay, good point. Patrick Swayze makes awesome movies, period. But this is one you have got to see. It's actually pretty damn good. You know what? I'm going to send you on assignment for our next um, episode. I need you to watch Ghost. All right. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> yeah, so we can have a little talk about it. Because it's a, it's a great movie, and it actually does kind of – like it's gonna fit a lot into our discussion, like just the way it happens. It's it's a kind of hanky movie, love story, all of that, but it's actually pretty on point with the supernatural stuff and the possession and stuff. You'll you'll see, but check it out. Whoopi Goldberg's in it. It's a great movie. Um, you'll love it. And um, yeah, we're gonna be talking about ghosts. So join us. Um, oh, real quick, um, as an announcement, we are going to be changing the time. Um, I think we're going to be moving it to Saturdays at 7 p.m. I'm not 100% sure, but the time will be changing when we do our live recording so that we can give everybody a chance to call in. Um, but uh, that, that announcement will be made within the next show, but just know that we're going to be changing our time, and thanks for your understanding and patience in advance. And that does it for this episode of The Amalga File. Stay weird, stay wonderful, stay asking questions, and remember, the truth is most definitely out there.